Groovaholics. Welcome to the Rochester Groovecast podcast. Birthed by a love of music, we're all about culture. Don't forget to subscribe and remember the fee. If you gain value from this podcast, personally share it with a friend and explain your favorite part. Let's get groovy. Groovy. Welcome, everyone. Ben here. Three points I want to make before we get started. First off, this conversation is lovely. It's amazing. It was filmed live on Facebook. Uh, I'm ultimately chatting with Rage Chill, Rachel Croft. Um, so you really are going to enjoy this one. Number two, there's an unreleased cover in this episode. It's in the middle. You can check out the show notes if you want to skip to it. But ultimately, stay tuned and listen for that unreleased track. Last but not least, Rachel played live for us. Um, the audio quality is not where we would like it to be in terms of studio quality, but her performance was so amazing and she's so great that I kept it in so you can hear that live performance at the end of the episode. And um, it's heartfelt, it's lovely, it's fun. You're really going to enjoy this one, so let's get started. <laughs> Welcome everyone here to the Rochester Groovecast podcast, your top source for live local regional music interviews and events from Rochester, New York and the surrounding area. As you already know, I'm your host, Ben. I am here with Rage Chill, Rachel Croft, and I'm excited. Where'd the name Rage Chill come from other than the fact it's, you know, close to Rachel? It is. um, It is close. Um, They don't call me Rage for nothing, those of you who know me. Um, (laughs) I picked it up in college um, when I was certainly raging my hardest, (laughs) and it just kind of stuck. They just started saying it one night, and they were like, no, that's it. That's it. (laughs) And it just kind of stuck. And then a friend from high school, my full name is Rachel Jan Marie Croft. So then when I got out of college and came back and visited a friend from high school, he was like, Jan Marie, it sounds like Jamboree. And I was like, oh, we're on to something here. <laughs> and then it's just like kind of has become, I mean, from down in Manhattan where I went to college at SUNY Purchase and then all the way back up here, that whole weird um, suffix, I guess, of Ington having a drinking tin, like, you know, like there's this uh, weird quip that just I've picked up in social scenes and, you know, it started down in college. And then I was like, okay, I have the full name now. Rage Chill, Jamboree, Croftington. So it just (laughs) kind of stuck. And yeah, um, so thanks to all of my homies down in college who gave me that and bestowed that upon me (laughs) because it's quite fun. Yeah, and (laughs) it's got a lot of personality as you do, which is perfect. Um, you play in your band, Rage Chill and Friends. Yep. Um, what else have you done in the music scene in Rochester? Just any other times in your life? Let's talk a little bit about that. Surely. Um, well, I mean, if you want to get all the way back to the nitty gritty stuff, um, I took opera classical, uh, vocal lessons from someone who attended Eastman. I also took a couple of piano classes. Um, it was all through my church, honestly, growing up. Um, and that's really how I got into the music scene. I was a contemporary church group. So we had like, you know, like the 
the church band and not just your typical church choir or organ. So that was my first experience with that when I was a kid. And then in high school, I did a ton of musical productions, which ended in the great culmination of me playing Jesus from Godspell in my senior year, which was such an honor. And still, like, I can't listen to that soundtrack without just sobbing. <laughs> like, music is super emotional for me. So that was, that was a great experience. But then, you know, actually, I was really, <laughs> I was really tired of Rochester growing up because I, I was definitely living in a rather strict household. I wasn't allowed to really go out. I was like trying to go to Penny Arcade. I was trying mm-hmm. to like go out and like, cause I knew that it was a good music scene and that wasn't really allowed. So I rebelled and chose a college right down next to the city where I got to experience a ton of music. And I was in a band at the time we were called Gridline Bass Band. They now go by Gridline. They are wonderful boys. I, think that Andrew our bass player may be watching um and yeah they're they're doing great stuff down in Manhattan and all over you know that area of the state um I'm pretty sure that we're trying to get them up in Syracuse when we had the Funkin' Waffles here I was super excited to plug them in but never worked out so um you can always follow my music page and if they ever do make it up this way I'll definitely be sharing and be at events they've played at the range in Ithaca that was a really fun one I played they played with the comb down Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. That was, that was a great night. Super great. And then, you know, I came back here after doing massage school and um, getting my yoga teaching certification and finally was like, okay, I'm ready to actually like try to impregnate the Rochester music scene a little bit and see if I can like, you know, get my foot in the door. Right. Because it's always been super intimidating. I don't know. Like it's, it's a wonderful music scene. Um, How long ago was that? That was 2015. So yeah, five years. I've been trying to make it work. And um, actually, it was the show that you set up for me at Temple one time. It was a solo show. And then Adrian D'Angelo walked over from uh, Flower City and was just like, oh, you can do the things. <laughs> like, let's do the things. And I was like, sick. All right, let's do that. Is that so, how you guys met? Um, no, he's, um, I've, I like seen a couple of subsoils before, yeah. or subsoil shows. Subsoil. Excuse me, subsoil <laughs> shows before that. Alliteration. Yeah, a little bit, a <laughs> little bit. Um, so um, I knew him through the scene and like, you know, I was partying in the scene well before I was really, really wow, words, really ready to kind of, you know to kind of try my hand at it because, you know, I'm, I, I really, my heart is in singing and, and, and vocals for sure. And I like forced myself to learn the uke um, because I knew that I had to do something in order to kind of be seen and shine a little bit more than just singing or doing karaoke nights or something to that effect, which I also didn't really do very much a lot of, but hmm. yeah, it's, it's been a long journey. Um, like I said, I've been in music for pretty much my whole life. Um, but I was always just like a little resistant to it and didn't really know exactly like where I stood in all of it. And, you know, it's still, it's still a long process and it's always a process of like learning where your ego is and where like, you know, your voice is literally for me mm-hmm. and stuff like that. So, but yeah, no, that show is definitely where Adrian was like, oh my gosh, like we can actually do this. So thanks for that. <laughs> And you two have been collaborating quite a bit since then. Yep. Yeah. Um, he's he's my rock. I would not be doing this without him at all, Dre. And he knows that. I tell him that very often. 
Um, and then we were able to pick up, um, actually directly across the neighborhood, uh, Greg Puglisi. Uh, we grew up across the street from each other and had like, you know, like the girl boy rivalry of like kickball and capture the flag. And now he plays saxophone in my band and I'm just so happy that he's a part of this project and I'm super grateful for that. Um, we have Jamie Green on drums who is so talented and I'm so honored that, he gives his energy to our project and yeah, Adrian and I are writing a lot lately, obviously since, you know, the year's canceled. <laughs> mm-hmm. So yeah. And Rachel and friends, that's kind of it all coming to fruition where you're the voice literally of the band. Mm-hmm. Um, and you guys do a lot of fun, jazzy versions of covers. What, yeah. what are some of the things you play? What should we look forward to when we can see you guys again? Oh, man. Um, Goodness. Uh, We do some really fun takes on uh, one of my main sources of inspiration is the Postmodern Jukebox. Mm. I don't know if you've heard of them. They are wonderful. Check them out. They are definitely a huge source of inspiration for me. And they're constantly pumping out new stuff, whether it's like super old, old covers or like brand new ones that just hit the scene. So they're wonderful, and I've definitely taken to a couple of their different versions. We do a cover of Mr. Blue Sky, which I just heard their version of it, and it's gorgeous, very much more slow, not as high energy as ours, but it's got the piano to it. We're really trying to find a keys player right now. That would really like make the sound so cohesive and just like really bring it together. We've tried with a couple guitar players, and they're all wonderful. And I'm once again, super blessed and grateful to have worked with them, but it just never kind of works out. Hmm. So we're going to try the keys route, I think, Cool. which would fit with a lot more of the jazzy sound that we are doing. So, um, but songs to look forward to, I want to do more gorillas. I really want to get that element of some more electronic stuff in there so that we can branch out, still make it jazzy, Mm -hmm. but so that we can have more layers for sure. A looping station is definitely a purchase in my future. I'm very excited about that. So Gorillas for sure. Um, there's a couple of like random singles that like I'll hear from TV shows that I've been very enamored with. Um, but I'm going to keep those ones secrets because when you play them, it's just like, oh, word. <laughs> um, but uh, we, do, we do everything. Yes, many surprises in store. We do. I've done Beatles jazz covers. I've done Queen. Um yeah, ELO. Um, I do a lot of Grateful Dead. Um, yeah, it's really all over the place. But the fact that we can kind of make it our own and and I've heard a lot of people who see our shows kind of be like, you know, you'd never think that that was a Grateful Dead tune or you'd never think that right. that was a Beatles tune or, you know, what have you. Um, and that's that's like... That really warms my heart, but because you know it's awesome that I can put my own spin on it, which is which is really cool to hear from my fans. So and people who just see the shows. So I'm curious because you guys definitely put your own spin on it, and I could see you know postmodern jukebox, that jazzy kind of unique influence. I'm curious why you like to do things that way. A lot of people like to learn the song as it is mm-hmm. and be able to be an expert and like be a tribute band that plays it perfectly now you guys took a completely different route a different road where you're like we're gonna pay tribute to the song but we're gonna completely change it i'm gonna sing it differently is that just something you've always liked to do change stuff up or why do you find that you enjoy taking these songs and giving them a completely different element 
that's a wonderful question because growing up in high school, whenever we would have like, you know, musical share days, I would definitely try to sound exactly like the artist. Mm. And I guess growing up and doing things that way, it just, um, I kind of realized that there was just more of an improvisational jazzy kind of feel to what I was doing anyways. So I just, I feel like being able to put your own spin on it and, you know, people will be like, wait, I know this song. I know this. And it makes people think. And it really, like, gets them a little bit more invested in what they're mm. watching, I suppose. Um, we do a couple of um, Fleetwood Mac covers. Um, we do Dreams quite often. Um, and Adrian and I are working on Go Your Own Way recently, which is going to be super-duper fun, very high energy. And we do the Pointer Sisters. Um so like stuff like that, I really enjoy the high energy tunes, if you can't tell, because then we, you know, I'll, I'll get on stage and ask the audience, well, do you want to rage or do you want to chill? So that's always, <laughs> once again, getting the audience invested in what they're watching. And it's always really fun to, to see the dichotomy in the audience and to have people be like, rage, fucking rage, excuse my language. <laughs> and you'll have like, you know, some people, sometimes it'll be a unanimous chill. Yeah. And they'll surprise you. It's like, oh, we got to switch gears here. Like, so it really keeps it fresh. It really does. Um, when I used to, um, when I started doing solo stuff and even duo gigs with Dre, when it was just the two of us before Rage, Chill and Friends came to fruition, I was always like, I don't write set lists. It's all good. You just got to read the room and have yeah. fun. And, For sure. And that's definitely a, a large part of my experience when you come to see me. It, it really is like impromptu. And I really like to read the room and get that audience participation going. Mm. Yeah, I, I saw you guys. You'll be able to tell me what it was. It was a very fancy restaurant. Hedges. Very, yeah. yeah. Um, Hedges? Hedges, nine mile point. Right. Yep. And... I was like, okay, so this is a chill audience. <laughs> you know, they are and they aren't. Yeah. So at Hedges, there's this uh, gorgeous piano bar. Mm. So you can sit around the piano and then we play all behind the bar. And we had Alex Vine with us that night. and With a broken leg. With a broken leg, <laughs> yes. Yeah, he was hobbling around literally to and from. It was winter, too. Yeah. So he's hopping around on ice, loading in his gear. And we're just like, oh, dude. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> Can we help you? And like, Oh my goodness, that was a wonderful night. And you know, you would think it would be a super chill kind of vibe, but really sometimes it gets quite raging in there. <laughs> and I think that everyone who was there that night or who even played, you know, can attest that that was a very high energy set. And I'm really glad you got to see that one. Like yeah. I grew up there like bussing tables and that's actually that's really where I started singing and performing. My mother, Heidi Crofts, is a fantastic piano player. Really, truly wonderful. She can sight read any piece of music you put down in front of her on the spot. She's incredible. So that's wow. definitely where I get my talent from, for sure. And um, she always tells the story that as soon as I opened my mouth and started singing, she never opened hers again. So hmm. I really do owe everything to her. Um, and she would come down to Hedges with me and we would have like binders upon binders of different jazz covers and different old school stuff. Um, I used to play at retirement homes too with her. And so that's really where I started actually really performing, I guess, around here in the scene, I guess you would call it because yeah. 
Shout out for Mama. For yeah, being... shout out to Mama. She's down Great. at Hedges right now, actually. So. Oh, yeah? Nope, that's why she's not here. Yep. Love to meet her. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. I wish that she were here to meet you, for sure. Yeah, I I believe that having mentors and influential people, whether there's someone that is are in your family, someone that directly touches you, or just looking um looking up to other musicians and looking to what they're doing and ultimately using them as an influence to bring passion to your music and grow is always a good thing. Uh, I'm curious. So obviously your mom played a pivotal role. Did anyone else personally, or maybe from afar play another significant role? We we talked about postmodern jukebox, Mm -hmm. your mother, who else along the way, maybe when you were a child, you went to a show and you saw someone, any experiences that were kind of like aha moments for you that, really made you think, wow, I want to do music. I like this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Um, I remember being taken to a lot of musical theater performances when I was a kid. Um, we traveled to Toronto to do The Lion King. I saw Beauty and the Beast. I saw Peter Pan. Those were in Manhattan, I believe. I um, was so just like growing up being brought to these wonderful Broadway shows where it was just the ultimate wow factor of like, holy crap crap this is like the production like as a kid like you, you don't even know that exists and it's just like wow so that's why I really got into it in high school and I was like maybe Broadway is the thing but then as I grew older I started gravitating away from um, opera which I started seeing when I was 10 so I you know I was raised in that for sure it was like church then opera and then I was like no I want to do jazz I want to do like sultry stuff like no I don't want to do opera forever so I just started gravitating away from that Nora Jones was a huge influence I really enjoyed her style and was just really taken aback by her um her control as well as Alison Krauss Mm -hmm. you know um who else? Goodness gracious. I mean, obviously my opera teacher, Teresa, was a huge influence. Um, and I was like, I definitely want to be able to sound like that, like the, that bellowing opera. Like I was a soprano one when I first started. So super high voice. And obviously as you get older, you know, you kind of like lose a little bit of that. But I can definitely still hit some of those notes. <laughs> that's for sure. So hopefully that talent will, will hang around for a little bit longer. Um yeah, lots of Broadway. And that was really just like the wow factor of like, wow, these shows. My first concert, I will divulge this, was Coldplay. Mm. So, and that was at Darien Lake with my mother. And that was, that once again, just like the production level and all the lights and everything. It was just like, yeah, this is, this is kind of the goal here. That would be pretty great. And yeah, it, it just, it's always been a thing for me. It's huge. Yeah. Yeah. And I can hear that operatic musical style in the way you play and you take it a little extra level. You know, you're, you're adding that extra element, that extra inch of pizzazz that you get a lot of in theater and music like that. So I think that's a cool thing. Thank you. I'm Um, glad you can hear it. Yeah. yeah. That vibrato definitely sticks for sure. What are um, some of these, venues or festivals that you've just absolutely loved playing oh man um quite a bit (laughs) yeah um goodness gracious um funkin waffles is always a really great time just because i know so many people in syracuse and that fan base for me is really like 
a lot of support there. So those shows are always a really, really good time. Um, shout out to Funk and Waffles and to Adam and all of Sophistifunk. Like I've known Sophistifunk since I was in college and Gridline used to like open for them and stuff like that. And I was like, when are you guys going to let me sing with you? Cool. Like when, when, when are we going to do this? And it took years. And then like I did a lot of travel on the West Coast, um, saw some beautiful venues out there and went to some incredible festivals. Um, and then came back here and did a lot of vending with JL, uh, JL McGreal from Ithaca. She owns Dreamaginations, and I got to be a vendor with her and go to all these different festivals and just see the different ways that they were run and see all these different acts. West End Blend blew my freaking brains out. Like, I mean, even Pine Needle Soul. Like, there's just so many different routes to go in. And I'm just so paralyzed by choice and, like, where do I see myself going with this project and how many different genres do I want to include in albums and my sound? Like I want to do all of it. So narrowing that down is almost, it seems impossible. And that's why I really enjoy having Adrian around because he really reels me in. He's like, okay, Rage, like let's, let's figure it out. But I'm like, I just want to do everything. I just want to have like a whole album that has a song dedicated to each different genre you know mm. what I mean? And like have all those different styles so that no one can ever say they're bored. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Um, but so far as like different venues around here, um, I've sung with Primate Fiasco and Haley Jane, actually. Um, that was at Catskill Chill mm. uh, before they moved locations to Pennsylvania. And that was a while ago. I actually don't remember the year, but they were doing a whole Beatles set. And so I got to do Strawberry Fields. And no way. Yeah, that, that was a great time. I love those boys from Primate Fiasco. Rest in peace. I wish they came back. But I don't think they're playing at all anymore. And then Haley Jane. Yeah, yeah. I hope they come back. I really do. They were so great. And then Haley Jane got up and just blew the doors off with I Am the Walrus. And I was like, uh, okay, okay, I see. Because, <laughs> of course, Haley Jane, like, right. why wouldn't she do that? So, perfect song. Yes, it was perfect for her. It really was. So that was also a huge influencing factor of getting to sing at a festival the first time for me. That's that's a wonderful memory that I'll never forget. Um, Disc Jam was always pretty cool. That's definitely no more, though. Um, Sterling was the best opportunity I got to start. Uh, I opened uh, Folk Fest on the Sinatra Lounge, which I just love the vibe there so mm -hmm. much. And it's just so intimate and so beautiful and carved out of the woods, you know, like it's so beautifully built. And then before I knew it, I was signed up to open for Ryan Montblue on the main stage for Last Days. And it was just like, sweet let's do it like yeah like the little girl me is just like uh. <laughs> so and i mean the glow from that still has not faded to be quite honest with you i'm still no. like vibing off of that really hard and so for all of this this calamity of 2020 like damn kind of took the wind right out of my sails but i've been you know obviously not working for the first half of the year and really focusing on getting some original material out and writing a ton of lyrics. And now that, you know, I can, now that I can like kind of collab a little bit more easily with Adrian and like send him stuff and, mm -hmm. and just kind of work a little bit easier. It's definitely coming together pretty quickly. It's, it's coming, coming to a head. So I'm very excited about that, but I've been able to really take on a lot more guitar playing in this downtime and um, just get better at 
mastering all those scales so I can solo more easily and like just be a more confident instrumental player as sure. well as because the confidence for vocals is like it's there like I, I got that yeah I got that but when it comes to playing an instrument you know it's I, I love having those boys back me because they really bring out the best in me and I mm -hmm. could not do it without them and you're surrounded by great musicians every every member of that band is in another group as well right it, yeah you've got like a super group behind you there it's yeah cool yeah I, I'm I'm just thrilled about it and you know it's only gonna get better and grow and yeah I'm just thrilled to be a part of it like for real it's it's been a long time coming I want to talk a little bit more about what's happened in the past six months and what's going on in the future mm -hmm. I do want to for the people watching at home to show them that track that is completely unreleased, is it? Yeah, no one's heard this one yet. So if you're listening to this on the podcast, not live, you're going to get the official audio. And if you're watching, you get to view it and hear it before anyone else. Yep. Um, yeah, Adrian and I just sat down and um, hammered this out. Um, it's called Dance Monkey Dance by Tones and I. So this is a really fun cover nobody's heard yet. Dance Monkey Bands.
You're listening to the Rochester Groovecast podcast. Head over to Facebook, like Rochester Groovecast, and mark our page as C first to keep in touch with everything new. Now, back to the show. That was fun. Yeah. Yeah, I really enjoy that cover. Shout out to um, my uh, little sister's boyfriend. He just showed me that randomly. I was like, you should probably try this. And I was like, okay. Challenge accepted. And I saw Adrian's on the keys. Yes. So you said you're going a little more in that keyboard route. Mm -hmm. Is he still going to play bass in the band? Or what are some of the plans? Is that a song that you're going to bring into Rage Tune and Friends? Yep, yep, yep. I would definitely like to because it's, it's, um, I mean, even I could probably play that piano part. Um, so it's something that I could even try a little harder at as well. Um, but what, if and when we do get a keys player on board, um, then it's, it'll kind of be a cakewalk, you know, and I definitely mm. would like Adrian to stay on bass. Um, Adrian has also filled guitar roles for me occasionally. Um, cause we'll do, if we can't get the whole band, like if Jamie's busy with another show or something, Greg and Adrian and I will just do like a trio set, Cool. Uh, you know, or even just a duo set. And we're pretty comfortable with that. And it's, it, it's always a great time. We've, we've even done that at funk. Um, where it's just the three of us with saxophone, uke, and bass, and then Adrian will jump to guitar occasionally on different songs. Um, we do a lot of Tenacious D covers, which is just, uh, I can't wait to do a full set of Tenacious D with Adrian and with anyone else who's willing, because like that is just, talk about influences. Mm-hmm. Oh my goodness. I wrote a letter when I was 13 to Jack Black and was just like, you're my favorite musician. Like, oh my gosh. <laughs> I never sent it, but I wrote it. <laughs> so, yeah. I just want to give a shout out to someone who I know probably isn't listening, but Scott Seaver, he's the drummer in Tenacious D's live band. Ooh. It's my cousin. No yeah. shit. <laughs> yeah. Oh, hi, buddy. <laughs> oh my goodness. He's played Well, then. This, this isn't a show about him, but he start, He played with Jason Mraz. He played with um, <laughs> Ben Taylor wow. and just all sorts of people. You look at his discography. I think he played with like Scarlett Johansson on her album. Nice. Wow. Um, so just shout out to Tenacious D. Yeah. They're really time. near and dear to my yeah. heart. Yeah. We'll get you backstage at the show. That would literally make my life. That's <laughs> like on top of the bucket list. Like Daft Punk, Tenacious D. Pretty much at this point. I've seen the gorillas. Okay. Oh, oh, that was the first um, album I ever bought for myself was Demon Days. Wow. And I was like, oh, there are cartoons on this. I should buy this. <laughs> and then, you know, it's all history from there. And then when I was down in Manhattan, you know, Amy, Amy Winehouse is definitely another huge influence for me. And I do quite a few of her covers um, with the band and then also solo. I like save a couple to the side for me to do um, just to kind of like. Be like, yes, I also do more Amy Winehouse. Um, I played with her guitar player, Lawrence Worrell, a lot when I was down in Manhattan. We've played a couple of yacht clubs in Connecticut mm. together. Um, cool. Yeah, and he now does, I believe he does vocal training with all the boys from Gridline. Um, but he was a wonderful, wonderful influence that was just like, I remember one time we were in a studio in Brooklyn uh, and I was trying to pitch to the boys that we should do... Um, that song, uh, Best of My Love by The Emotions. And I just remember Law being like, damn, girl. Like, that was great. Like, 
very, and just like getting that affirmation and that support Love. from someone who's played with Amy was just like, you know, huge. Very humbling. <laughs> so, yes. Yeah. Very humbling. And also like just affirming to the fact that, you know, keep doing the thing, like keep doing it. And, you know, I played enough in Manhattan that it's like, cool. I actually, where did I, uh, what's that one venue that closed? Not CBGB's, but, um, Grant, it's, I'll remember the name. It'll hit me later. But I did play at a really famous mm-hmm. venue that's now closed. Andrew's probably watching, like, smacking his face if he is. But, <laughs> but yeah, so playing with Lawrence was, was a huge inspiration yeah. and another really nice cornerstone of playing music for me. And um, I ended up leaving Gridline because I wanted to be a massage therapist, and I really wanted to pursue that. Um, that's been my dream since I was 13. They, like, singing and massage therapy have been neck and neck. Mm-hmm. Very um, two totally different contrasting. There's kinesthetic with yeah. the masta- massage, mm-hmm. and then there's you know audio. There's yep. So you're massaging two parts of us, our body and our our eardrums and I our minds. So. I love that. That's a great way of putting it. Auditory mm-hmm. audio. <laughs> yeah, no, that's great. Uh, talking about venues, I'm curious. Let's let's build a dream show where you get to choose the venue and you get to choose the bill. Oof. I'll give you a second, but, Oof. um, okay. <laughs> All righty. It can be a place here. that you've been yourself or even a place that you like to see a show because you haven't been before mm-hmm. different country, local. Goodness gracious. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I, I guess, the first thing that comes to mind would probably be to play in Giza at the pyramids. Honestly, if I could, if I could choose like a worldly venue of that caliber, definitely the pyramids. Cause when I heard that grateful dead show for the first time, I was like, they did that. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, sick. And I love Egypt. I have a beautiful like attachment to that culture and, mm-hmm. um, and that whole mythology and everything. So that would be a really cool worldly venue um, here in the U.S. I mean, Beacon Theater comes to mind right off the bat for sure. Um, I love Tedeschi Trucks and the Allman Brothers, and Susan Tedeschi is definitely a huge influence. I love Susan. I actually got to sing with Kofi Burbridge, their keys player who passed away recently um, at um, Lockin down in Virginia. Oh, wow. Lockin Music Festival, yep. yeah. Uh, so I was working for a Grateful Dawn. Uh, he had a, uh, like, he sells beautiful tie-dyes and the sterling silver jewelry and everything. So I was working for him that weekend with JL. And um, Kofi was doing a little morning piano set with the singer Mark Rivers, also from Tedeschi Trucks. And they were just doing a bunch of different, Aretha had just passed away, so they were doing a bunch of covers. Mm. And they are doing Say a Little Prayer. And I just hit that right note, Say a Little Prayer for You. And they were just like get up here and just pulled me out of the audience yes there was footage of it i actually made a lot of different lock and reels and different like articles about it and uh great yeah yeah talk about a highlight of my life for sure and (laughs) i got to sing with kofi and mark and it just chills straight chills it was great really truly such a moment and then um uh the last time that i went to lock in uh i ended up not going to the fish set 
because they're not exactly my favorite. So I was sitting back at the booth working and Susan and Derek rolled up to give a plaque to that little mini stage for Kofi. And um, I didn't realize that it was them, actually. One of my coworkers was like, dude, dude, <laughs> look behind you. And I was just like, oh, shit. Because Derek Trucks is absolutely one of my favorite guitar players. Like, yeah. definitely my top number one, hands down. And, like, for him to be married to Susan and, like, such a powerhouse. Like, oh, my goodness. Just so inspired by her. And so I, I went right up to him and. I poked Susan because Derek was walking away pretty quick when he saw me coming, I think. Because <laughs> <laughs> I was just like, oh, my goodness. Like, and I poked Susan, and I did get to mention that. She's like, oh, I heard about that. And I was just like, <laughs> like, let me just pass out right here right now. And I got to talk to her about it. And, yeah, that was that was pretty great. It's special. Yeah, that was very special. That was very special. So, Thank you, Kofi. <laughs> Have you hit the level where you've had um, that kind of moment happen to you? Any fans come up to you and being like, oh, my God, I want to meet you. You're incredible. I love your voice. I Yeah. After Sterling, I definitely had a couple of those beautiful interactions. And I was like, you know, like, I've seen you do like all these small gigs. And like, now you're here. And it's just like. Thanks. Like, shed a tear. Don't make me cry right now. Like, <laughs> I would definitely cry over it if I, like, really had to think about it. But the support has just been absolutely astronomical. And I'm just so thrilled to be a part of this community and all of the wonderful people that inhabit this area and make shit happen and just make the most beautiful music. And yeah, like, words, words kind of fail me at that point because I yeah. just sound redundant. It's, you know. I can't be more grateful. Yeah. Me too. Me too. Yeah. Yeah. You do a lot for this community, Ben. Thank you so much. I I don't know what to say. It's just fun. <laughs> yep. Yeah. It's a huge part of it. It's a huge feeling factor. It's gotta be fun. And you know, anything else after it is just kind of a plus and a bonus. Yeah. I, I get a ton of pleasure out of it. You know, whether I'm doing something for income or I'm just doing something for fun or for promotion, it's all worth it. It's all fun. That's why I tell people all the time, you know, the fee of the podcast, I put a lot of time, effort, money into making it perfect. Mm -hmm. The fee is simply share it. Yeah. You want to go, you want to follow Rachel. What's the the Facebook? Rage Chill? Rachel, and then in quotes, Rage Chill, which is one word. So Rachel Rage Chill Croft with a K. I'll put that in the show notes as well. (laughs) But you want to follow Rachel. You want to follow Rochester Groovecast. And it's not about us. If you have any musicians, support them. um, Support all the cultural, artistic people in the area, the starving artists that have been hit by COVID. What has happened in the past six months? We went from headlining a Sterling, you know, opening for Ryan Monoblu, all these great moments to holy shit, we need to quarantine. Yep. Um, any new hobbies, anything that that you've brought back that maybe you are neglecting. And um, yeah, I mean, is it been good, bad, decent? <laughs> a little bit of everything. <laughs> yeah, probably. it really has been a little bit of everything. That's for sure. Um, you know, the highlights and the good things, I did just get to move into a beautiful home in Irondequoit with my partner, Dylan. Uh, he bought a house, so we got to move in there literally right when this all started. Wow. So it was a very smooth move and, you know, the most, like, relaxed, like, no rush. I didn't have to be at work. None of that. So that was that was really nice. We're, like, four houses away from the water. 
um, like right on Aronicoi Bay. It's, it's really a beautiful, quiet spot. So I'm really grateful to have that refuge to come back to and to live in now and to like really make the space our own. And so I've been able to play a lot of music and just really become a much better instrumental player, which, you know, I'm, I'm really striving to do. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, those have all been really nice. Um, let's see, like, I mean, decent things are like, I've really kind of come to appreciate my own company a lot more and just understand that, you know, I, I'm not as socially dependent on, on like going out and, and like doing all the things as, as I thought I was. I really thought that I was like kind of addicted to that and like had something to kind of upkeep to like, you know, like when you're, when you're a part of this community, you really do want to go to every show and you want to support every band and you yeah, want to exactly. be there for your friends. And it's, oh, it's, it's like, it's a lot of things. And it's just frustrating that I can't do everything, you know, and I want to be at everybody's shows all the damn time, but it, it takes a toll. And if I'm going to, you know, make my own original music and, and prepare for my own stuff too. You got to know when to say enough is enough and to put up those boundaries and to be able to take a step back. And I actually also just got my mindfulness certification. So I am certified to teach mindfulness to anyone who actually might want to learn how meditation and um, living a little bit more mindfully can help you navigate the different stresses of what we're going through. I am definitely open for conversations and stuff. You can contact me on my music page um, and just talk to me about that. Or I'm, since I'm also uh, an LMT, I do have a, uh, a massage therapy page, LMT Croft with a K. And you can contact me on either one of those if you like want to talk about meditation and mindfulness and what kind of doors that can open for you so that you can navigate all of this insane stuff that we're going through. Because it's not just COVID anymore. And all of the other stuff that's been happening with the Black Lives Matters protests and this social and civil injustice and this racism that we're, we're all collectively encountering really head on. Um, just being able to navigate those different emotions for yourself as well as, you know, with family members and, you know, whether or not it's a topic of conversation with your family and then on social media, you can't escape it. You can't escape COVID and you can't escape this, this racial issue that our country as a whole is now encountering. So having said that, you know, there's a lot of emotions that come up for both of those issues within myself. And so being able to to use that mindfulness and that practice of meditation. I've been doing yoga since I was 10 as well. Um, My mother, once again, big brownie points. I was on Ritalin at that time. And she was like, why don't you try yoga instead? So I would get up at 5 a.m. with my little VHS tape before elementary school and do yoga. And so I realized at the tender age of 13 that yoga and massage therapy kind of went hand in hand. And... Yeah, so now I'm able to do both as wow. well as pursue my dreams. So I'm I am so blessed and grateful and you know, it's uh it's a wonderful set of skills. It is a practice. It's not something you're going to gain overnight. So I just got my mindfulness certification before everything hit the fan mm-hmm. and so being able to sit at home with myself, with practice my thoughts it. and my feelings and practice it has definitely been a very decent thing that's come out of this to say the least so i'm curious for something 
practical from a bird's eye view to kind of give people a little bit of tips, just not the whole, not the whole thing. Cause mindfulness is a lifelong practice, yes. but I mean, just imagine I am and so many people are stressed. There's anxiety. We don't know. Am I going to get someone sick? Am I sick? Mm-hmm. Should we be going back? What can I do as a white male to help the black lives matter movement? Yep. Well, I feel like I'm saying the wrong things. I don't understand. I have anxiety. I'm anxious. What do I do? What's one tip or trick or step that I could take to move in that positive direction towards mindfulness? Oh, um, the thing that first comes to mind for me would be, even if it's just for a minute, being able to take that minute every day or even multiple times a day. There's no such thing as too much. Being able to take that time and sit with your thoughts and your feelings, not necessarily to overthink them and to then, you know, therefore become more anxious, but to be able to sit there in silence, you know, preferably maybe outside because that just personally helps to ground me more. Mm -hmm. Um, But being able to sit there, even if it's just for a minute, and just notice your breath. Don't try to control it. You can even, there are three different ankles, a- anchors, excuse me. There is breath. There are the sounds around you. Then there are physical sensations that you may feel in your body while you're sitting still. So choosing one of those anchors, sitting with whatever may come up, acknowledging the thoughts that come up. Don't get mad at yourself. That's the whole point of the mind is to constantly think of that inner chatter. It's, it's not going to stop. It's about changing the language and the voice and the tone in which you talk to yourself. So when a thought comes up, you say, oh, it's okay. I love you. I know you're stressed. I know you're thinking about what you have to do after this. Just, just come back. Come back to your breath and just changing that language. Instead of being like, why am I so bad at this? Like, oh, there's another thought. Like, about changing that and just being kinder to yourself and then ultimately when you encounter interactions where maybe you're talking to someone who is possibly very racist or is possibly very not courteous to the fact that covid is very scary and maybe they should wear a mask stuff like that when you are encountering people like that after encouraging this mindfulness change within yourself this mindful change within yourself then you know you're going to have more love and kindness and patience for that person. And it's just about becoming the love within yourself that, you know, how are you going to love somebody if you can't love yourself and stuff like that? RuPaul. Thanks, Sydney. (laughs) She's totally got me watching that show now. (laughs) But so in a nutshell, and I know that that was still a lot. Yeah. It's, it's not a simple tip, but even just taking one minute at a time and just sitting and being still and breathing. So I've never gotten a professional massage. Is really? that bring in that element? I mean, I'm imagining laying on my stomach. Mm-hmm. I don't have the option to do anything but sit breathe. still and breathe. Yeah. Um, oh, so it's the physical element. It's the auditory with the music. Mm-hmm. And then the mental element of getting in that present space. Yep. Absolutely. And depending on the type of work that someone may come to seek, 
from me. You know, it can also be energetic as well. Mm. It's very fully systemic. My favorite uh, type of therapy is shiatsu, which is the Japanese take on the Chinese acupressure and acupuncture systems. Um, it's fascinating. It's a fully clothed modality done on the floor. There's a lot of stretching involved, kind of like Thai yoga massage, but it focuses on those pressure points. And the whole point is to disperse and allow that energy to move more freely throughout what's known as the 12 meridian system, which is scientifically proven to exist. So it's a full systemic. I love shiatsu in that manner. It's very fully systemic, psychological, mental, physical, uh, emotional, all of it. It's, it's wonderful. Um, but massage therapy in general, it, yeah, your job is to breathe (laughs) just like in yoga, your job is to move and your job is to breathe. And that's the only job you have. When you come to yoga or massage therapy, you know, massage therapy is definitely more still. Sure. So, you know, it's my job as a therapist to constantly remind people to breathe, especially if I feel like they're holding their breath because you can feel them rise and fall and like tense and stuff like that. So, yeah, just, yeah. Um, Did I answer that? Did I answer that? Okay. (laughs) No, I'm always intrigued. I'm interested. I've heard people say those weird negative thoughts or these thoughts that aren't soothing a purpose for you. What was recommended to me once is just to label them a name. Um, Give it like a funny name. Like, you know, I don't know, like a piece of shit, Ben. There's real Ben and then there's piece of shit, Ben. Oh, that's that's so mean. That's a mean way to put it. (laughs) Maybe that's not the the best way. I think more a silly name. Uh-huh. Um, cuz a lot of people would say, you know, you need to accept the thought and move on, but just because you're having a thought doesn't mean that it at the core is you. Right. Don't believe everything you think. Yeah. That's a Rumi quote, I think. Um, yeah. Yeah, don't you're not everything that you think. And that's that's a huge core issue and like that I wish I was more eloquent in that just to be like, oh I just don't believe everything you think. But even that's like such a difficult concept to grasp because right. we we are our egos and we are our thoughts, you know, and being able to disassociate that to understand that you are you are the active participant within this stardust meat coated skeleton, but you're also the observer from mm-hmm. a mental standpoint. So being able to observe your own behavior and take that step back and see how you're speaking to yourself and how that in turn is being projected into the world around you. Just being observant. It's hard. It's really hard. So you're on stage, you're performing, feels good. Are you thinking about the next note, the next move, are you in a flow state where it just happens or are you kind of caught in your head sometimes? And how do you find the balance between those two? It really, it really does flow out of me very naturally. And I am so happy that it is that easy for me. Um, But (laughs) at the same time, if I hit a wrong note or if I hear it in my head and like, ah, I didn't like that. And it's, it's hard for me to like, it's okay. Just hit the next one. Like, you know, like, (laughs) um, yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm very happy that it does kind of flow very naturally out of me and and I can hear what I'm going to sing and then I go for it and it just comes out. So (laughs) perfect. Yeah. I'm very lucky when it comes to that with the instruments, not so much, but (laughs) do you do anything to prepare for those moments? 
When I get frustrated? Do you walk on stage and you're ready to go? Or are you, you know, backstage doing a ritual or going over the songs, building a set list? What's it look like 30 minutes but before that gig, assuming everything's set up, you've got 30 minutes to yourself. What are you doing with that time? So usually I drive to the gig and I blast Tenacious D. <laughs> absolutely just blast it and adrian can attest to this so can jamie and greg and sydney like they've all been in the car when i've done this ritual and so we drive there we blast the tenacious d i get there i usually have a tequila drink and then i'll go to the back room and think about the set list and ask the band if you know there's anything that anyone's confused about or what they're what parts they're worried about um and if not then if anything, I'll just go over, you know, if we have any new tunes, that's really what I'm focused on. Um, because a lot of these songs I have brought to this group because I learned them solo. Mm. So I'm very confident in a lot of them. So it's really just those new ones that sometimes, or like if Adrian and I have some Wicked Harmonies to figure out, sure, we'll do that. But um, cool. as far as rituals go, I, I used to go out and like sit, for at least five minutes just to kind of collect myself, but it's become so natural that I'm, I'll walk around barefoot and, and get the same effect. And it's kind of like, all right, I'm grounded. I'm here. It's go time. You know, you go out, you see the friends and just gets me super hyped. And, Mm -hmm. and then it's just like, okay, it's time to rage. (laughs) Yeah. Yep. One final question, because no, it's getting buggy. Yeah. It's a beautiful area. It I is. mentioned this at the start, but love that I could come here and do this with you live. Um, we've been doing these over Zoom. So much nicer to do this live in person. Yeah. Um, it's nice to get out, socialize, hear you play live music. I get to see live music, so I'm <laughs> happy. That That's my favorite part. Um, so I want to hear you play a few more songs at the end. Okay. Um, question I ask every guest. And there's no right or wrong answers, but imagine a large billboard, a huge billboard on the side of the road. Um, couldn't be in Vermont because they don't allow billboards, but billboard <laughs> on the side of the road and uh, you get to control it. Um, whether it's a logo or a phrase or a photo or um, a short clip, you get to control what's on that billboard and you have the knowledge that everyone's going to see it, young and old black and white, all genders, all races, all personalities. You have the opportunity to promote yourself, send a message, anything you'd like. What would you put on that billboard and and why would you choose what you choose? To promote myself or send a message. Like that's where I'm torn. It's like, well, I mean. You can do both. Could do both, but I kind of, oh boy. Wow, I didn't even answer the other half of your question about what bill I would want at these venues either. Now I'm like stewed about that too. Mm. (laughs) Um, But to answer this billboard question, oh man, I can't get this out of my head. So I guess I'm just going to say it. Um, Basically, I guess, so (laughs) for those of you who do know me and those of you who don't, somehow know this about me i'm addicted to cartoons i'm the queen of cartoons i love anime it's just a huge part of me that i cannot deny and um now that avatar has gotten such an awesome kind of push to the front again um and now these younger generations and everything get to see this and everything 
honestly, like, I'm just so perturbed by everything that's going on in this country that, like, literally all I can think of when you said that right now is just Avatar Kiyoshi that, you know, in that quote, only justice will bring peace. And that's that's all I got right now because it's it's not about me right now. It's it's a much larger thing that's going on that's in the works and music will always be there to help people and right. I certainly will be as well along the way, but we gotta something's gotta give here. This darkness has gotta give. I'm with you. Yeah. I wanna pop up a second billboard. You said you were stewing on that bill. <laughs> Yes, I am still stewing. I would definitely want Kofi. I would really want Kofi on board with this. I would want Kofi. I would want Lawrence big time. Yes, so Lawrence mm. on guitar, Kofi on keys. Um, I would definitely want... I kind of really want Andrea and Shishin on bass from Gridline. And then I want Adrian to sing with me. And I would love it if Greg would play saxophone. And uh, hang on, who is the other? I would like the, uh, Greg and then the rest of the horn line from Lettuce would be pretty freaking <laughs> banging, I think. Hell that yeah. would be pretty great. Um, let's see, what else have I covered here? Oh, but you know who else I would really like? I opened for Trombone Shorty this one time on my birthday, on my 21st birthday. Yeah. So I'd probably want him in that lineup too. Yeah. <laughs> and he was playing. Um, he was playing with, oh God, who was it? It wasn't, it wasn't the nth power. Uh, Dag Nabbit. Well, I would definitely want Trombone Shorty in on that. Is that a local show? Uh, yeah, it was at the Westcott Theater. Okay, cool. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, it was my I 21st birthday. One. Wow. Yep, that was with Gridline. And um, they just called me up for, it was after I had left the band and I was just, you know, coming back to support them. And we used to do this wicked cover of Stevie Wonder's I Wish. Mm. And um, so they brought me up there for that last song. And, it, like, you know, we had the whole – it was Kung Fu. It was Kung Fu. Nice. Yes. Yeah, cool. yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was wicked fun. Oh, my goodness. Um, awesome. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. So many people. It would just be, like, you know, like one of those, like, massive, like, snarky puppy status, like 12, 13 people on stage. You know? Yeah. Like, just massive. Ugh. You can't ask this. I'm just going to keep listing people. It's not going to be like a feasible thing. <laughs> oh, man. I'm going to have to like write it in the comments or something. <laughs> just like, okay, yeah. Ben, I've solidified the bill. <laughs> like, Because <laughs> I would want Derek Trucks. That'd be pretty freaking baller. Derek wouldn't want to play with me, though. <laughs> yeah, question for anyone <laughs> listening or watching. If you want to put together your own bill <laughs> and send it over to us, whether it's in the comments or... A DM, keep in touch with Rachel, um, Rage Chill Croft, and you want to play a few more tunes for the people at home? Yeah, I'm about it. Awesome. I got awesome. a couple two tree. Let's see. All right. I'm gonna move this closer to you. Alrighty. Oh, uh, let's see here. What do now? As Charlie would say. Oh. So I'm going to start with a chill one. We're not going to start right off with the raging ones. We're going to do a chill one. Um, This is a cover of Death Cab Cuties, I Will Follow You Into the Dark. Mm. 
Oh, I have to remember not to cry during this song. It always gets me. Goodness gracious. All right, we're going to try it one more time. most favorite chill ones i really enjoy that one what do you want we got time for one more maybe yeah. what do you think Absolutely. all right well i guess we have to do a raging one <laughs> let's see what i got in me right now hmm goodness gracious thank you guys so much for tuning in thank you so much to ben for having me 
Um, thank you, Jen, for coming. It's good to see your face. <laughs> She's hiding behind the camera. Um, thank you to Jamie. Thank you to Greg. Thank you to Adrian. Uh, thank you to everyone who's ever played with me, Donnie, Alex, Joe. Um, thank you guys so much. And I would not be where I am without you. Thank you to Gridline. Thank you to my mom and dad. And yeah, let's let's see what I can what I can do here to rage for you guys. <laughs> Normally I would say gracefully face down, but I feel like you guys hear that one all the time out of me. But it is a great one. Excuse me. All right. Um, this is so we're going to end with like a jazzy kind of rager. Um, it's a cover done by Beth Hart and Joe Bonamassa. Uh, it's called Close to My Fire. I have not played it in a minute. So this will be fun. <laughs> Come on, sugar, don't slow it down. You can't stop craving till you come around. I can't deny it, I'm right here at home. My fever is waiting, boy, you know I want you. Strike a match and set me on fire. Watch it burn as the flames get higher. You light me up. To your desire, so won't you come close to my fire?
no need to tell me why. Oh, there ain't no need to tell me why. Because you know I want you to strike a match and set me on fire. Watch you burn as the flames getting higher. You light me up. Oh, yeah. You light me up. Oh, come on, baby. You light me up. Close to my fire. Come, come, come close to my fire. I zip a tip, pop a tip, pop a tip, wow. to the Rochester Groovecast podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and remember the fee. Share this with a friend and tell them exactly why they should listen. And don't forget to keep it groovy, baby.